Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Are you ready for a great day? It is a phenomenal day. I had two cups of coffee this morning. I got jacked up. I actually, um, I went to sleep last night. I was resting, and I woke up before my alarm. Anybody ever do that? And I woke up before my alarm, and no lie, I popped out of bed. And I had so much energy. I was like, man, this is going to be a phenomenal day. I just feel great. I feel so rested, you know, and it's still dark outside. I'm going to get ready. You know, this is going to be a great day. And so I went and grabbed my phone. It was 1.39 a.m. I was like, well, not now. (laughs) So I went back to sleep, got some more rest. But I am fired up. I am ready. I believe that we are living in a very important time in history. And I believe that God has put you here. Yes. I'm talking to you as an individual, and I'm talking to us corporately, that God has placed us here for such a time as this to demonstrate his kingdom. I believe that now is the time for the church to arise, to be the church, to give God glory, to shine our light, and to make a difference in our world. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We are here for a reason. We have a purpose. If you have your Bible, turn it to Matthew, the 16th chapter. I'll start reading in the 13th verse. And this topic today is one that I wish I had hours upon hours to really just dive into and take my time. Um, I actually do have hours upon hours to do that, but I know that your, your fanny would grow weary. And so I'll be merciful to you, and I'll try to just highlight some things that I think that we need to hear from this subject today. But Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 13, the Bible says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? What's the word on the street? What is uh, the opinion of man about me? Now, Jesus was not asking this question because he was having an identity crisis. He was firm in knowing who he was. But he's showing us a very important principle here. Because the opinions of others about me really doesn't matter. But he says to them, he says, but who is it that you say that I am? So first he asks, what's the opinion of others? And they, say, they, they, they tell him, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? See, your opinion about Jesus is the only opinion that matters. Ashley's opinion of Jesus is the only opinion of Jesus that matters to Ashley. Now, hear what I'm saying, and this is important. Your opinion of who Jesus is does not change who Jesus is. But your opinion of who Jesus is will determine what you can receive from him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hopefully in future weeks we can dive into that a little bit because you can only receive from him what you recognize in him. If you don't recognize him to be a healer, then you're not going to receive divine healing. If you do not recognize Jesus as the Savior 
of the world, then you will not receive salvation. Are you following what I'm saying? It's very important. Just because he is something does not mean you'll receive it unless you recognize it in him. So who is it that people say that I am? Well, the word on the streets, Jesus, is that you're just a prophet, you're a good guy, you're a good teacher. Okay, but what is your opinion of me? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says to him, you are the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the one appointed by the Father. You're the Savior of the world. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. That means Simon, the son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is not something that you've gathered by your natural senses. But my Father who is in heaven is the one that has revealed this to you. And now let me tell you something, Peter. Let me tell you who you are. See, as soon as Peter rightly and correctly identifies who Jesus is, in return, Jesus says, now, let me show you who you are. Let me show you why you exist. He says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to say that one more time. Jesus has built his church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you hear. There is no power on heaven, earth, hell, or anywhere else that has the right or the authority to hinder the church. God in heaven looks at the plans of man and he laughs. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Nothing will stop his church from advancing. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to give you some authority. He says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Several years ago, there was a comedy about a male model called Zoolander. Anybody ever see Zoolander? And... Uh, he, he goes outside, he's distraught, he's trying to figure out life, and he goes to this puddle, and he looks down in this little water puddle, and he sees his reflection, and he says, who am I? And the puddle reflection responds to him and says, I don't know. I think that's a question that a lot of people have asked at one point or another. They want to know, who am I? Why am I here? Is there a purpose for living? Am I just floating through time? Or is there a reason for my existence? And what I want you to understand today as a foundation and a building block for where we're going, Jesus not only came so that you could have life. He didn't just come so that you could have abundant life. He did not just come so that you could have eternal life. He also came so that you could have life and your life could have meaning. And Jesus is the only one that has the right to define who you are. He's the one that created you. He's the one that formed you. He's the one that has chosen you. He has the one that has called you. And he's the only one that has the right to identify you. Your past has no right to define you. Your hurts have no right to define you. The opinions of others 
have no right to define who you are. The only one that has the right to define you and the only one that can give your life true meaning is Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times we search for meaning in people, places, and things. We, we sense this void that's in our life and, and we know something's missing and so we think, well, if I can just buy a new car, I'll feel like I, you know, life matters. If I can just get another relationship, then life will matter. If I can get this friend or this friend or if I can have these opinions from people about me, then my life will matter. And Jesus is saying, stop it. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. I am the one that can fill the void, and I am the only one that can give your life true meaning. When we look at the life of Peter, who Jesus is dealing with in this passage, he was a commercial fisherman. And he's just going through the motions of life. He's, he's building a career. He's started a family. He probably has plans for his future. I want to build this fishing company to a place where I can turn it over to someone else. And then maybe I can, you know, relax and spend my later years by the Sea of Galilee just fishing for myself instead of fishing for others. He has all this stuff going on. His life's just kind of going through the motions, but there's really no meaning to life. Have you ever felt that way? You feel like you're just going through the motions, but like, what's the meaning? Like, why am I really here? Is it really just to get another job? Is it really just to get a promotion? Is it really just to get married? Is it really just to buy a home? Is it really just to put a picket fence around it? Is it really just to advance my career to, so one day I can sit on the beach somewhere and spend out the rest of my life until I stop breathing? I mean, is, is that really what life is all about? And Jesus has an encounter with Peter that forever changes him. Because Peter identifies as a fisherman, but Jesus encounters him and he goes, you know what? He said, you're not just a fisherman. Your real reason, your real purpose, the reason you exist is to be a fisher of men. And the more that Peter began to hang around Jesus and the more that Peter began to discover who Jesus is, then he began to discover who he was. The rock, the, the, the one who would begin to build the church, the one who would stand on the day of Pentecost and proclaim the message where 3,000 would be saved. I'm not just a fisherman. I actually have a purpose for living, and I've got to live out my purpose so that God's will can be done here on this earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now Peter's life shifts from, from this meaningless existence to now I wake up in the morning and I've got a purpose. There, there's someone I've got to influence today. There's someone today that needs to see Jesus through me. I'm not just going to work today. I'm going on a mission to show the love of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm on a mission. My life now has meaning. But you'll never discover who you are until you have a revelation of who he is. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's not just hearing the opinions of others about who Jesus is. But you get to the point to where you have a knowing within yourself. You have a revelation of this is who Jesus is. 
and this is why he came. And when I see that, then I can begin to see who I really am. I can see why I really exist. It comes from having a revelation of him. And every individual has to have their own personal revelation of who Jesus Christ is. I can't build my life based upon the faith of my grandparents. I can't build my life based upon the faith of my parents. Now, that was a great influence to me. But there comes a time in life where I've got to answer to myself, who is Jesus to me? Is he a good man? Is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Or is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Is he the savior of the world? Is he the hope of the world? Is he the light of the world? Is he the healer of nations? Is he the one that binds the brokenhearted and heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds? Who is he to me? And that begins to develop a faith that I can stand on. And the more I draw closer to him, the more I have a revelation of who he is, the more I begin to understand who I am because I'm created in his image, and in his likeness. Are you seeing this? So there's no way for you to understand who you really are until you have a real revelation of who he is. When we look at Saul, who later we'll know as Paul, the great apostle who authored the majority of our New Testament books, when we see him in our we're introduced to him in scripture, he's a persecutor of the church. His life is headed in the wrong direction. He thinks he has meaning, but really he's just spinning his wheels headed in the wrong direction. But something unique happens one day when Saul has an encounter with Jesus. He has a revelation of who Jesus is, not based upon the opinion. See, he had heard the opinions of people. He had heard what others thought about Jesus, who others thought that Jesus was, but now he has a clear revelation of who Jesus is. And as that revelation begins to bubble up on the inside of him, his purpose begins to come alive. He begins to see clearer than he's ever seen before. And now he knows, I'm not living aimlessly. He even says it in 1 Corinthians. He says, I don't run as one who's just running aimlessly. I don't fight as one that's just beating the air. I mean, think about how ridiculous that is to go in a fight and you're just beating the air. You don't really have a target in mind. You're extending a lot of energy, expending a lot of energy, but you're not really making any results. I say it like a hamster on a wheel. And sometimes I think people are like hamsters on a wheel. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're expending a lot of energy, but we're not really going anywhere. There's no real meaning. But Paul has this encounter. He says, now I don't run aimlessly. Now I don't just swing my fist aimlessly. Now when I swing, I connect to the target because my life has meaning. Jesus has shown me why I exist and every fiber of my being will live on mission every day to see the target, to swing at the target, and to hit it. How many of you want to live that way? You want to know that, man, when I wake up in the morning, I'm making a difference. I'm doing something that matters. And I want you to know that you do matter. You do matter. You have a purpose. There is a reason for your life. If you have a Bible, go to Jeremiah the first chapter, verse 5. 
God speaks to Jeremiah while he's still a young man. And he says this. He says, before I formed you in the womb. This is powerful when you get a hold of this. Before you were even conceived, before you were a thought in your mom and dad's mind, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That means I set you aside. I love to think about it in my mind that before the foundations of the earth, before God said, let there be light, he had a plan. And I was a part of that plan and you were a part of that plan. And, and he said, one day I'm going to create a Derek. And now I'm going to set him aside for the right time, for the right season, to be released into the earth for the right purpose, for the right moment, to do the thing that only he can accomplish because he's unique. I knew you. I formed you. I consecrated you. I've set you aside. And he says, and I have appointed you. Now, for Jeremiah, it was to be a prophet to the nations. That was his calling. That's what he was designed to do. But you were called and designed by God to do something. You're not an accident. See, a lot of times we think, well, mom and dad just got together. They weren't really planning me, and so poof, here I came. And that may have been true for your parents, but God knew you before that moment. And he formed you, and he called you, and he consecrated you, and he appointed you. That, that's, why, that's why, you know, when you think about abortion, that's why abortion is such a terrible thing. Beyond the fact that it's murder, you are taking a human being that was created and designed in the image of God, who God says I know, who God says I have called, for, who God says I have a purpose for, and you're saying that does not matter, I extinguish it. You hear what I'm saying? Before you, were, before you were formed. That means before the seed was even released. I knew you. That's heavy. And I, and I don't say that in a judging way. Because maybe you've experienced that in your life. Or maybe you know someone who has experienced that. God loves them, and there is mercy, and there is forgiveness. But from this moment forward, we need to get our thinking in alignment with his word and understand that people are not just here because other people had a moment. People exist because God said, I want them to exist, and I want them to exist for a specific time. See, the moment of your birth, your date, the year, the minute, the second was the moment that God said, let it be now. Think about that. <laughs> and here you are because God desired you to be here. That should make you feel great. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, baby. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are loved. You're needed. You're special. 
You're valuable. Valuable enough for God to come into this earth and say, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to bleed. I'm going to be rejected. Why am I going to do it? So that your image can be secure and so that your purpose can be fulfilled. I'll allow my image on the cross to be destroyed so that your image can come about. That's what Jesus did on the cross. You can go to church after church after church and never hear that. We'll hear Jesus died for your sins, brother. And he did. Thank God for that because my sins were many. And I need the blood of Jesus to cover me. I mean, I wasn't as rank as you, Jimmy. Because I know you lived for that 70s, 80s era where, you know. <laughs> but but I'm, I, hey, listen, I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm thankful that Jesus saved me. But he didn't just do it to get me to heaven. He did it so that I could function within my purpose here on earth. The image that was lost in the garden is the image he restored. The purpose that was lost in the garden is the purpose that he has now restored to you. You need to wake up to what it is and start walking in it. I don't have another day to live to just live aimlessly. I don't have another day to live just to swing my fist around and to run on the hamster wheel. I've got to know that every moment, every second, every minute, it counts. It matters. The way I treat my kids matter. The way I treat my wife matters. The way I go to work matters because when I go, Jesus goes. When I go, the kingdom of God goes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I've got a purpose and I carry the hope of the world inside of me. It is Christ in me. Paul says there's a great mystery. You want to know what the mystery is? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, which means when you go, he goes. You've got to hear this, church. There is no plan B. The church is the solution because the church is the body of Christ. The church is the agent of Christ here on this earth that carries about his will. And when you step into an environment, you should carry his presence. You are the one that God has called to bring light to darkness. You are the one that God has called to bring uh, order into the chaos. And we've got a decision to make. We'll either be a part of the problem or we can be a part of the solution. But if I can get a revelation of who Jesus is, really who Jesus is, not a storybook character, not what I heard in Sunday school, but who is Jesus, and I can get a revelation of who he is, and that revelation can grow day by day, then I can actually carry his presence into every place that I walk. And when I walk, I make a difference because he's with me. We had a girl who's a friend of ours about a week and a half ago. She got a call that her father had died. And it's devastated her. I mean, she just tore apart. It was just, it was out of nowhere. They weren't aware that he was sick. And so she's devastated. She's having trouble sleeping. And so my wife invited her to come stay the night with us on Friday night. And they were talking, and, and she was talking about how she can't sleep. She was saying, every time I shut my eyes, I just replay the scenario of hearing them call me and tell me, your father's gone. She said, I can't sleep. I'm up all night. She said, I'm exhausted. I want to go to sleep, but I just can't sleep. 
And as we were sitting there and as they were talking, the thought came to me that peace lives inside of me. And because peace dwells in me, peace dwells in my home. And as she went to bed, I didn't lay hands on her and I didn't get oil out. I didn't say, raise your hands. I didn't make her fall on the floor. I didn't make her spew up suds. (laughs) You know, all the things that the Pentecostals think need to happen for God to move. By the way, God can move without any of the fanfare. I love, I love, I love it all. Hear what I'm saying? I love it all. But you know, we're not, just because you don't see something doesn't mean God didn't move. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a problem within the Pentecostal realms, and of which I am proud to, to be raised in the Pentecostal uh, church. But the problem is we've relied so much on the show and what we see that we miss God's not always in that. We can manufacture that. doesn't mean God's there. Hear what I'm saying? When God comes to Elijah, there's the, think about it, the fire, all that stuff. Wasn't there. He was in the still small voice. One night I was at my father's church. I'll get back to the girl. One night I was at my father's church. He was praying for people. And people, man, were getting hit by the power of God. And I, I remember standing there and I was waiting my turn. I was saying, God, that's what I want, man. I want to experience that, God. Just, you know, hit me. Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. As I am thinking that and praying that, my dad says, some of you are wanting a physical experience and a physical manifestation, but what God is going to do in you is greater than what you see on the outside. I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so it's, not, it's not in all that. So I, I didn't make a show of it. No one was even aware of it, but I just had that thought. The peace of God resides inside of me. The peace of God dwells in this home. So as she went upstairs to go to bed, I said, Father, let your peace be with her. So the next morning we get up, and it wasn't even early. I mean, it was around 9 a.m. We're, we're running around the house getting the girls ready for their basketball. There's no, like, no changes making a sound, so we're just like, Okay. So we get ready, we go to the basketball game. We come back after, we, we tried to call her for breakfast. It was actually brunch. We tried to call her around 11 o'clock for brunch. She doesn't answer the phone. We get home, still no, you know, sign of So we're just resting, relaxing. Here she comes down the stairs. So I asked her, I said, how did you sleep last night? She said, immediately when I hit the pillow, she said, I fell asleep. She said, and I slept all night long. She said, even this morning, she said, I heard like one of y'all say, where's your shoes or get your shoes on. She said, but then I went back to sleep and she slept all that time. Why? Because the peace of God. See, understand who it is that you carry. And he wants to be released through you. He wants people to see him when they see you. He wants people to hear him when they hear you. That's why we can't waste our time and energy and words on meaningless things. We've got to learn to discipline our tongue because we're here to be an influence and we're here to be a solution and not a part of the problem. We've got to learn to discipline these fingers. When we get on social media, there's things that we, we just, we got to get the last word. We got to get the last word. We got to get the last word. And I need to question myself, is this a part of the solution or is this going to continue the problem because what matters more 
You want to talk about your identity and who you are? Jesus says you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You can't get caught up in the things of this world. You can't play by their rules. Your fight is not against flesh and blood. Your fight is not against Kayla. Your fight's not against Scott. Your fight's, but your, your fight's not against these people. The Bible says your fight is against spiritual wickedness. And we will never defeat spiritual wickedness with earthly means. But God says, I've given you some weapons. They're not carnal. They're not of the flesh. But they've got divine power to destroy and demolish strongholds. When the world system tries to set up a stronghold, we bring it down. But we don't bring it down through natural means. It's time for the church to hit its knees and have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is so that when we stand, we shine and give God glory. That's who we are. That's why we're here. You want to know who you are? You want to know why you're here? It's to show forth the light of God. Arise and shine and give God the glory. Let others see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let others hear your good words and bring praise and honor and glory to your Father in heaven. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are and you've got to walk within that purpose. And you can't allow the enemy to come in and try to, to, to manipulate how you feel about yourself because he'll do that all day long. From the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, he, he tells them, he says, he says, you know what? If you eat of this tree, you'll become like God. They were already in the image of God, but they were deceived into thinking that there was something missing within their image. He tried to test Jesus in the wilderness. If you be the son of God, are you seeing? He's trying to get him to question who he is. And that is a very big trick of the enemy. He will try to get you to question your identity because if he can get you to question your identity, he can get you to hide your purpose. When God comes to Gideon in Judges 6 chapter, Gideon is hiding in a wine press because he is scared of the enemies. And God shows up and says, you are a mighty man. And Gideon says, say what? Talking to me? Gideon says, you, you, got the wrong, you got the wrong person. My family is the weakest in Manasseh, and out of that clan, I'm the weakest. In other words, my family is a whole bunch of sissies, and I'm the sissiest of all the sissies. And God says, no, you're a mighty man of valor. And as soon as Gideon understood his purpose, he came out of the wine press and he gave Israel a victory. What I'm trying to say today is it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to come out of the wine press, to come out of hiding, and to be the people that God has called us to be. The Bible says that the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. That is you. That is me, and the earth is waiting on the solution that we carry, and we've got to start carrying it. We can't play church 
We've got to be the church. We can't just attend church. We've got to be the church. 2021 is the year for us to discover who we are and to walk in that purpose. 2021 is the year for us to move on mission, understanding that everything I do is about my mission. Everything I do is about my mission. When I go to work, I go to work on mission. Because somebody needs to see someone who knows how to operate in business with integrity. When I love my wife, I love on mission. Because my children need to see what it's like for a man to honor his wife and a wife to honor her husband. Put it in the blank. Whatever it is that you do, you've got to do it on mission, knowing that you are making a difference. And you may not see the difference here on this earth, but one day we'll stand before the king of glory and he'll say, look what your, work, look what your life accomplished. You weren't even aware that that one act forever transformed that life. That one word forever transformed that life. That one moment that you took time to pray or that one moment that you took time to share the gospel, that person didn't say, okay, I'm gonna give my life to the Lord right now, but you planted a seed that years later was watered and manifested in a salvation. That was because of you. Think about that. Your life really matters. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to get it in your mind. And I hope, like some of you who are younger in here, I hope that you hear this. Because if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you will spend the rest of your life trying to find out who you are and you'll allow others to identify you. You'll allow others to label you. You'll allow others to shift the course of your life and define who you are. But as soon as you know who you are and who you belong to and why you're here, no matter what happens around you, you won't be shaken because you know, you have a confidence, you have a knowing, you have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And we understand we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This earth, as we know it in this natural state, is not our home. This kingdom is not our kingdom, the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, let it bear fruit. Let it bear much fruit. Lord, let it bear so much fruit that it transforms who we are, how we feel, and how we think. Lord, let it transform how we speak and how we communicate with one another because we understand that our words carry weight. Our words carry the power of life and death. Our thoughts carry great power. Our actions carry great power. Lord, let your hope and your glory and your love and your light and your mercy and your goodness and your forgiveness shine through us for the world to see. Lord, let there be a great harvest of souls this year because your church has risen up. We haven't become a part of the system. We haven't bowed our knee to the system. We haven't given in to fight the way the world fights because we're not fighting against, against the flesh and blood, but Lord, we are fighting through the Spirit, through our influence, through what we carry, through our prayer. This is a year to pray like you've never prayed before. This is a year for you to pray like you've never prayed before. This is a year for you to get the Word of God inside of your heart. This is a year for you to declare what the Word of God says. 
Stop listening to all the junk. Stop paying attention to all the negativity. Start feeding yourself with good news because that's what nurtures you. It's the bread that comes from heaven, which is Jesus, the Word made flesh. He's the one that nurtures you. He's the one that causes you to be fruitful. He's the one that causes you to be productive. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. This year, your life can make such a difference that when you get to the end of this year, you'll look back and you won't even recognize yourself. Young people, stand up. Old people, stand up. People at the prime of their life, like me, stand up. It's time. It's time. Derek, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Now is the time to be released into the world and to be a light. Father, touch every heart and every life that's in this place. Lord, bring transformation power. Father, bring healing to any that are sick. Lord, bring peace to any that have confusion. Move in a mighty and a powerful way today, O oh God. Breathe on them, Lord. 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 I thank you, Jesus, for doing it. Father, go without, with us throughout this week. Let this word be a reminder to us of who you are and who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Go and eat something good, and I'll see you next Sunday. Make sure you call your friends and family and tell them the church is open. We want to see them. <laughs>